Chapter 25 of The Mystery of the Caribbean Pearls by Andy Adams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 25 A Double Find. Derek's cuts from the giant bandshoes were many, but not deep ones. Biff and his uncle cleaned the cuts, treated them with a disinfectant, and put Derek to bed. The Dutch boy was not seriously wounded, but he was suffering from shock. The thing to do, Biff knew, was to keep him warm and quiet. Charlie Keane gave Derek half a sleeping tablet, and the boy finally dozed off. What a day! Two narrow escapes! We should never have gone back, Charles Keane said. You didn't tell me there were clam and conch shells in that bed. Didn't know they were dangerous, Biff replied. And just to see if we could find some black pearls, his uncle commented. Let's open the oysters we dug, Biff suggested. Derek seems to be all right. An hour later, Biff came back to the tent. Derek stirred restlessly in his sleep. Biff lighted a lamp. Derek suddenly sat upright. Biff went to his side. You all right, Derek? Biff asked. Uh, I guess so. I was dreaming, but... Uh, Derek touched a bandage cut gingerly. Sure, I'm all right. This may make you feel even better. Biff held out his hand. He thrust it under Derek's eyes. The hand held a black pearl. The next morning, convinced that they had located Bromsdorf's fabulous pearl fishery, camp was broken. Gear was stored in the cabin cruiser. The tent was struck. By noon, the four pearl searchers were back in La Trinité. The party's happiness was mingled with sadness. One adventure was over. Derek's father's claim was safe. The quest had been successful, but Bromzook, Derek's father, was still missing. I can't ask you to stay with me any longer, Derek said. You've done more than enough for me. I'll stick with you as long as you want me to, Derek, Charles Keane said. That goes for me too, Derek, Biff added, hoping his uncle would not mention school. What are you going to do? I'm going to stay on in Martinique for a while. I'm going to every town and village on the island until I make as certain as possible my father isn't here. Then, then, Derek stopped. Biff knew what his friend was thinking. He knew that Derek would then have to come to the conclusion that his father had been lost at sea. What about you, Crunch? Where are you going? Crunch, go back up mountain. Stay with little brother for a while. You found him? You didn't tell us that, Biff exclaimed. Too busy finding pearls. Crunch no want to bother you. Well, we said we'd try to clear your brother. We still mean to do so, don't we, Uncle Charlie? We certainly do, Crunch. You come with Crunch to talk to little brother? You bet, Crunch, Biff replied. Maybe Crunch can help Derek too, the Indian said. How? What do you mean? Biff demanded. Crunch may help Derek find father. Derek touched the Indian on the arm. Anything you do will help, Crunch, but have you any clue? Crunch not sure. Hear about white man up in mountain called Kabe. Derek grabbed the Indian by both shoulders and shook him. Tell me, tell me about the white man, he urged. Little brother tell story. Little brother live in mountains in small shack. Tell about sick white man. White man come to mountains two months, maybe three months, maybe more long time ago get very sick please take white man in maybe your father can we go there right now derek asked excitedly 
Take long time, hard trip up mountains. They started out late that afternoon. Night overtook the party before their journey was half completed. Exhausted by the hard day and the excitement of Crunch's clues, the first real one Derek had, all four slept in the open. By mid-morning the next day they reached the shack where Crunch's brother, Moti, lived. Moti told the same story Crunch had told the day before. "'Is this place far from here?' Derek asked eagerly. "'One hour away,' Moti replied. From Moti's description of the place, Uncle Charlie came to the conclusion it was a small monastery. Moti led them to it. A bearded monk took them inside. Derek babbled out the story of his search. The monk bowed his head. "'Please wait,' he said. The monk went down a long, narrow passage. He turned a corner and was out of sight. Derek's heart was throbbing. Biff and his uncle were tense with hope. Minutes passed. The shuffling of feet were heard. The monk was halfway back to the waiting group when another figure came into the passage. He was tall, gaunt, wasted by illness. But there was a smile of happiness on his face. Derek Zook raced down the passageways to meet his father. Biff, his uncle Derek, and his father were sitting in the patio of the Saint-Souchet. Hummingbirds darted in and out of the Bourgainvillea, which poured over the terrace. It was the afternoon of the day after Bromzook had been found. Bromzook's story was short. On the day he had mailed the letters and pearls to his son and to Charles Keane, he discovered he was being followed. He had thought it best to disappear into the hills until his claim could be filed and acted upon. In the hills he had become ill of a tropical fever. He had been found by a monk and carried to the monastery. There he had lain close to death for weeks, not knowing what was going on about him. Only in the last two weeks had he come back to his senses. The monks had insisted that he stay with them until he was strong enough to travel. "'Well, I guess that about winds up my stay here in the Caribbean,' Biff said. "'I've got to get back to good old Indianapolis and school.' "'We'll hate to see you go, Biff,' Derek said. "'Won't you come back and visit us?' "'Or maybe you could come to Indianapolis,' Biff invited. "'I'd like to,' Derek said eagerly. "'One more piece of business,' Uncle Charlie cut in. "'What's that?' Keen Bromzook asked. "'I'd like to make sure that we found the same pearl fishery you discovered.' "'Good idea.' Bromzook glanced at his watch. "'I'm anxious to get back to Curacio. "'Why don't you get everything ready "'and the boys and I will take a run down the coast in the boat? "'They can show me their spot.' "'Good. You ought to be back in a couple of hours. "'I'll find Crunch and he can help me,' Charlie said. "'What about Crunch, Uncle Charlie? "'Is he going back with us?' "'No, Biff, he's going to stay here "'until I send back word about his brother.' I talked to Moti. I feel sure we can straighten things out in Curacio. Tell Crunch and Moti they can count on that, Bromzook said. The run down the coast was a pleasant one. Biff steered the cruiser over the spot where they had located the poles. Does this look like the place, sir? Biff asked. Bromzook took a sight on an island to the cruiser's port side. This is it all right, and there should be thousands of dollars worth of pearls beneath us. As Biff, Derek, and his father were approaching the harbour in Bay de Tresor, they saw Dietz and Specks in their boat, heading in the direction of the pearl fishery. Won't do them any good now, Bromzook said. The injunction he obtained has been cancelled. They watched the boat until it was nearly out of sight. Look, Derek shouted excitedly. 
Brom, Zook, and Biff looked in the direction Derek was pointing. They saw the ugly, menacing clouds, forerunners of a chabasco. It'll strike in a few moments, Brom, Zook said. And right at the spot we last saw Dietz, Biff shouted. The winds were already getting heavier in the harbour. We can do nothing to help them. We're too far away, Derek's father said soberly. The Chabasco struck. Dietz's boat was right in the centre of its fury. There was little chance that he and Specks would escape the storm's vengeance. End of chapter 25 Read by Peter Tomlinson End of Mystery of the Caribbean Pearls by Andy Adams